0: welcome to the marco teal football show my name is miles we have a jam-packed one hour super bowl preview episode today Follow us at M-U-K underscore football on Twitter at M-U-K underscore football. Subscribe on podcasts. We're going to talk a little history. How did the Bengals get to this Super Bowl? And are they the most surprising team to make the Super Bowl of all time? How did the Rams get to the Super Bowl? Does the Rams way of building a team, does it work? Is this a sign of things to come? Then we're going to take a break. We're going to do a halftime, 20 minutes with our special guest, Kathleen McGilvery to talk the upcoming halftime show with Dr. Dre, Eminem, Mary J. Bly, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, and also talk our top five halftime shows of all time, compare and contrast. Um, Then we'll break down the game on the field. And then it wouldn't be the Muckle football show without a legacy watch to close out the episode who, what players, what coaches, what teams, what cities have the most legacy on the line next Sunday. So let's talk Bengals first. Bengals playing their third Super Bowl. They're, interestingly, this is their first Super Bowl without their quarterback being an MVP that season. <laughs> 1981, Ken Anderson was the MVP, got to the Super Bowl, lost to Joe Montana. 1988, Boomer Assisen was the MVP quarterback for the Bengals, got to the Super Bowl, lost to Joe Montana. Both were were crushing losses. Um, Eighty one was was less dramatic. You know, the Forty Nine ers they were an upstart team. They were hot off the off the catch over the Cowboys with Dwight Montana to Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone. There, uh the Bengals they went down twenty to nine. There was a famous goal line stand in there. Ken Anderson targeted Chris Collinsworth down down the field, got intercepted. The game was over. Um, the part that stings for the Bengals about the 81 Super Bowl is that they should have been the ones with Bill Walsh, 49ers coach, West Coast offense, pioneer and founder, changed the NFL. He should have been on the Bengals. He wanted to be in Cincinnati. He was the offensive coordinator there in the 70s under Paul Brown, who certainly is the, the innovator of the NFL in his own right uh, in the 50s and 60s. But he just didn't give his offensive coordinator, Bill Walsh, the respect because when it came time that he was stepping down to name a head coach in the 70s, he chose wrong and he let Bill Walsh go and he let Bill Walsh go acrimoniously. He slammed Walsh so he couldn't get any other jobs. Walsh had to go to college. Um that did not go well for Paul Brown's legacy and it and it has never <laughs> cincinnati has never uh, gotten over it or they shouldn't have it should be the ohio offense the cincinnati offense not west coast offense and then they get to the super bowl anyway and then they lose to the the kickoff of the 49ers dynasty and it's kind of funny the bengal's you know they lost the super bowl to the 49ers early on joe montana wasn't joe montana yet bill walsh wasn't bill walsh yet you know ronnie Lott wasn't they were they weren't the hall of fame names that we know now they were plucky upstarts beating the Bengals. the rams have a similar story when they lose to the patriots when the patriots are plucky underdogs bill belichick tom brady and Terry. so both the rams and Bengals kind of each have a a super bowl loss that launches a dynasty for the other team on their record um So that's why the 81 Super Bowl is bad for the Bengals. The 88 Super Bowl is the much more famous one. That's the one with the the Joe Montana comeback. You know, the Bengals are winning. The the 49ers get the ball with two minutes left. Joe Montana is so calm in the huddle that he points out John Candy in the audience. Jerry Rice, the crossing route play, and the final John Taylor touchdown, which is one of the iconic moments in NFL history. And history is so cruel to this Bengals team. I mean, they're just the guys who are having these plays happen against them. That's what, that's what we think of now, but this team wasn't, wasn't innovating. You know, they, they regretted giving up Bill Walsh in the West coast offense. So what did they do? They went more West coast offense than anyone else. And they combined it with the no huddle offense. And they're on defense. They had the zone blitz with Dick LeBeau, and, then they lost the Super Bowl, and then the Bills made the no huddle famous, and the Steelers made the zone blitz famous. And this '88 Bengals team gets forgotten, so it is a bummer. And what is also a bummer is after the '88 or '81 and '88 Super Bowls, the Bengals do nothing at all for thirty plus years. In fact, from the '91 to 2021, they had no playoff wins until these three Joe Burrow wins. Um, I mean, they didn't even make the playoffs for fifteen years. They, you know, so it. They had the Marvin Lewis era where they went zero and seven with Carson Palmer, two with Carson Palmer, five with Andy Dalton. It's been tough in Cincinnati. It has been tough, and this is their first even modicum of success since that nineteen eighty eight Super Bowl where Joe Montana drove down and and won the game. It's pretty crazy, and no players remain from the from the Andy Dalton era. They're all gone. This is a new team. Uh, though fun fact there is one player who lost all seven of those Bengals games who will be in this super bowl and that is rams left tackle andrew whitworth kind of a cool story of this super bowl Um, are the Bengals the most surprising or unlikely team to make the super bowl that's that's kind of one of the subjects that i wanted to touch on i'm seeing it a lot like who would have ever thought who would have ever thought it wouldn't be me if i didn't say well it depends on what point The surprise starts. (laughs) Is it surprise from from my preseason self, from my August self? Is it surprise from my Thanksgiving self? Is it surprise from my January start of the playoffs self? You know, because who is the one being surprised if they're told this information from the future that the Bengals made the Super Bowl in the preseason? Certainly, there are teams who have made the Super Bowl who are much or who are equal, yeah, uh, equally unlikely as the 2021 Bengals to have made the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm just thinking of the, the 98 Chris Chandler Falcons. The next year, the 99 St. Louis Rams. I mean, who thought they were going to make the Super Bowl after Trent Green, their starting quarterback, got hurt in the third game of the preseason and Kurt Warner came in. Nobody picking the Rams for the Super Bowl. The 08 Cardinals, even the 2015 Panthers. You know, Nobody was picking these teams to even go to the playoffs, much less the, the Super Bowl. But all of those teams, pretty quickly through the season, even early in the season, announced something's different this year. So if you were talking in the middle of November, you know you were pretty sure the 99 Rams are going to go to the Super Bowl or the, the 2015 Panthers are going to go to the Super Bowl. Um, so like I said, it's all about where you, <laughs> where you think the surprise is from. For example, there's a moment when uh, Drew Bledsoe gets hurt and as some unknown kid named Tom Brady comes jogging onto the field to take his first snap. Where I'm sure nobody thought the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl this year. So, I mean, surprise. Did the Bengals ever have a less. You know, we probably thought that those Patriots were farther away from the Super Bowl than we ever thought the Bengals were at any point during this season. Um,. But the Bengals, they did come out of nowhere. You know, they didn't feel like true contenders until week 16, when they beat the Ravens, and week 17, when they beat the Chiefs. So back to back, they did it through the air. They had they had kind of stayed hovering around the top of the AFC North. Those two games, you know, just took it. They the Bengals took it. They locked up the four seed. Burrow through for like a thousand yards in two games. They got to rest in the final week 18 there because they had clinched the playoffs. So if you were talking about surprise from the beginning of the playoffs, no, the Bengals were certainly one of the teams that could have made the Super Bowl, um, especially with those two games and then the rest. They kind of got their own little bye week. Um, So. We all certainly thought more likely was the Bills, the Chiefs. Maybe even people thought the Titans and Patriots over the Bengals. But it wasn't like this historical level of unlikeliness. So my answer is, are the Bengals the most surprising or unlikely team to make the Super Bowl? No. (laughs) And that's why you tune in. All right. Let's shift over to the Rams. How did the Rams get here? So the Bengals got those two Super Bowl heartbreaks on their on their history franchise uh um story the rams have this will be their fifth super bowl um they they lost their first super bowl the rams first super bowl was that the end of the 70s they lose the final Super Bowl to the Pittsburgh Steelers mean Joe Green Terry Bradshaw Franco Harris Lynn Swan you know Jack Ham Jack Lambert Mel Blunt all those Steelers the Pittsburgh dynasty the steel curtain their last true hurrah, the end of the 70s, was beating the Rams with Jack Youngblood on the defensive line, Jackie Slater on the offensive line. I'm always surprised when I look at that team that it's not the team with Merlin Olson and Deacon Jones. So the Rams, you know, they have that, that fearsome foursome, right? They have the great defensive line in the 70s with, uh, you know, uh, anchored by Olson and Jones, both Hall of Famers. They're both not on the team for this 79 Super Bowl. Just kind of weird. The Rams, boy, do the Rams have some good uh, defensive linemen in their history. Merlin Olsen, Deacon Jones, Jack Youngblood, now Aaron Donald. I mean, these are are certainly three of the top 10 all-time defensive linemen. Jack Youngblood's probably just outside the top 10, so probably four of the top 15. Pretty crazy. They lost that one in the Steelers. They spent 20 years doing nothing. They moved to St. Louis. Their owner dies in like a, a an accident, like a surfing accident or something. Um, and they go to St. Louis and they're doing nothing, nothing, nothing. And then they, boom, out of nowhere, have that Cinderella championship where they become the greatest show on turf. Kurt Warner is suddenly an MVP. Torrey Holt is a is a rookie star receiver. Isaac Bruce is still there. They signed Marshall Falk. They just destroy the league with that greatest show on turf, and they have the great Super Bowl where they beat the Titans, uh, uh, holding Kevin Dyson one yard short. Underrated defense on that team as well. They win the 99 Super Bowl. They get some injuries in 2000. Uh, and that knocks it out. Then 2001, they're back. They're back to their 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 rightful place. We think the Rams are gonna put up a dynasty, and that's when they get beat by the plucky Tom Brady and Adam Vinatieri and that Bill Belichick defense. The Rams are 14 point favorites to win that Super Bowl in 2001, and they lost. Ugh. And now it doesn't even you can't even remember it that way because now it's just like the beginning of the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick show. Of course, of course it happened, but it's hard to really explain how much of a surprise it was that the Patriots beat the Rams in that 2001 Super Bowl. Crazy. Um, and then the Super Bowl three seasons ago back in back, They're back in Los Angeles now, and they had that crushing loss also to the Patriots. Jared Goff showed himself to be a fraud. Bill Belichick, he, he called the bluff. He said, we're going to put more on the offensive line, or defensive line. We're going to show our defense later. You could take advantage of it if your quarterback knows what he's doing, but you can't because we're calling your bluff. Jared Goff doesn't know what he's doing and he needs Sean McVay to read the defense for him. And I mean, I still sympathize with Sean McVay because it's like, they got this, they got him in a trap, right? And you go into halftime, the Super Bowl, and do you change everything that got you there? It's not working. But also, why am I here at all, sitting here at a Super Bowl halftime show because of this offense? I mean, it, it, what a tough decision. But McVeigh chose to stay the course. Belichick raised trophy number six. Um, that game was only three years ago, low scoring, 13-3. Um, the only play I really even remember from it is the Brady finally getting something going through that long pass to Rob Gronkowski that set up the, the only touchdown uh, of the game. Um, barely any starters or Rams players are, are returning from that team, even though it was only three years ago. Higby is one of them if he plays. Aaron Donald... And Whitworth uh, are two of them. The other tackle, Havenstein, is, as well. Uh, Cooper Cup was on the team, but he was injured. Um, so, I mean, basically, the roster has almost entirely turned over since the 2018 season, 2019 Super Bowl. Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, and Dominican Sue, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, all those Rams, they're gone. Zach Taylor, their offensive coordinator that year, is in the Super Bowl. He's coaching the other team. <laughs> He's coaching the Bengals. Uh, he was hired the Monday after that loss. So 24 hours after losing that Super Bowl, the Bengals hired Zach Taylor. So the big question for the Bengals was, are they unlikely? Are they the huge underdogs? Uh, they don't want to be called underdogs. Uh, but the big question for the Rams is more of a, more of a team building thing. Like did does the Rams way of team building work? And you're going to hear all in, all in, all in, all in. But what they really have done is sell their high end picks for established talent. They traded, you know, two first rounds for Jalen Ramsey, two first rounds for Matt Stafford, a second and a third for Von Von Miller. I mean, really they gave up four first round picks uh, two thirds and a second for those three players. um, and they haven't had a first-round pick in a long time. I mean, they their last two first-round picks are 2015 Todd Gurley and 2016 Jared Goff, two players that they cut bait with at a loss. Uh, so they'll at least go seven years without a first-round pick. So that's going to be a big story. The Rams don't care about the draft, blah, 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 blah. They're all in. They go for free agency. That narrative is, is kind of wrong, though. The Rams have forsaken... The first round, not the draft. They've play, made plenty of picks. In 2020, they had two second-round picks, two third-round picks, and a fourth. In 2021, they had a second, a third, and three fourths. So that's ten picks in the first four rounds of the last two drafts. That's I don't call that forsaking the draft. Ten picks in the first four rounds. They didn't have a first, but. They're certainly making picks there. And people are pointing to the 2022 draft and saying, ha, 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 the Rams only have three picks in 2022. They better win this year. That's a misunderstanding of the calculation here. There's, there's compensatory picks coming. Compensatory picks are a way of balancing uh, when you lose free agents or you lose coaches to other teams, you get awarded picks based on how much the other teams pay them. Uh, you know how much they want them. That's a way to kind of keep it fair, so that Super Bowl teams don't just get completely poached every every time. And the Rams will receive a third, or projected a third, a fourth, and three six round picks um, when that when those get awarded for this upcoming draft. So they're going to have a total of eight picks in the twenty twenty two draft. So if you hear anyone say they only have three picks, that person is fundamentally misunderstanding. The calculation that the rams have made here um so i mean it's funny because the narrative for the rams is so different from the patriots of the 2000s and from the seahawks of the early 2010s those teams were praised for trading down out of the first round and getting more picks that's what the rams are doing they're gathering established talent hoarding picks Hoarding uh, uh players, contracts, getting compensatory picks, they're 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 making a lot of picks, is my point. And they also got some time with Matt Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, and Von Miller out of it. Um, and then Odell Beckham Jr. being on the team also helps lead to the to the facade, the narrative that the Rams are just hired guns. But they're not. They really aren't. I mean, if you want to say that the Rams are like a bunch of free agents and a bunch of cobbled together pieces, I mean, and you want to say the Bengals are built through the draft. Look at the Bengals defense <laughs> because they're all free agents. The whole secondary, all five of them and the Trey Hendrickson, their big star, DJ reader, their other big star on the defense. So the way of team, the Rams way of team building does work, but it's just not quite what you might think it is. Okay. Let's take a break here at the half and Talk some halftime shows. Let's talk some history, some halftime shows. I bring in my beautiful wife, Kathleen.
1: Hey-oh. Who
0: is very pumped for this particular halftime show.
1: I am. I mean, honestly, okay, (laughs) this is so bad as the wife of somebody who's so involved in football. But um, I really don't care so much about the game, but I love the halftime show.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Don't bring the don't care about the game into the...
1: (laughs) I mean, I, I... do I just care more about the halftime show <laughs>
0: all right Dr. Dre Eminem Mary J. Blige Kendrick oh Lamar gosh. Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg.
1: <laughs> I've never been so excited for a halftime show before oh my gosh like I, this is just gonna be amazing what
0: songs do you want to hear oh forgot about Dre oh well, yeah,
1: that's probably be absolutely. on there
0: there's also a bunch of the songs that they do all together JLo and Shakira did like 14 songs. So I feel like,
1: I feel like they can... Oh, was it really 14? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I didn't do any of those stats. <laughs> Whoops.
0: Leave the stats to me, oh, good, my beautiful good. wife. All right. So we're going to go through our top five halftime shows through history. Um, I guess anything more to say about the Dr. Dre?
1: Oh, just that I I, I think this is going to be one that is remembered for decades.
0: What do you think are the odds that Eminem drops an F-bomb?
1: Oh, 100%. <laughs>
0: okay, 100%. I you, saw you think oh.
1: that he's <laughs> going to censor himself completely for this halftime show? <laughs> I mean, I hope that they're... And they've got to just be prepared for it.
0: Yeah. I saw the over-under. You can bet on these things, of course. The over-under is one and a half uh, F-bombs from Eminem.
1: One and a half. So okay. you can't
0: just bet that it oh. will happen. You have to bet that it'll happens more than one and a half times.
1: Oh, I think it will. I think yeah. it will happen three times.
0: So how do how do you want to just, want to just give each our number fives and then?
1: Uh, yes. Okay. I think we should start with number five and go down and then.
0: Okay. Yeah. At number five, I have Lady Gaga.
1: Do you so also? Do I. I have Lady Gaga as well. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Interesting. I just, oh, that was one of the last ones I watched. It's just so good. The
0: drones. She yes. jumps off the stadium. Yes. She plays the guitar. Mm-hmm. She plays the real piano. Mm-hmm. My mom would be proud because she's only artist I shot, saw that shouted out her own mom um, as far as it, you know, Tom Petty too, didn't do yeah. that he didn't who did
1: uh, no she said her, her, her th- she, hey mom and dad oh she yeah dad as too. she
0: yeah. climbed on top of the piano <laughs> there was a lot of cool stuff and then she got in underwear for a bad romance
1: oh, gosh. yeah <laughs> you know I she she is my that was probably my number one favorite
0: but why is it uh, then
1: it's number five because I have to rank it based on who i actually think was the best Mm -hmm. she just happens to be my favorite that's your personal
0: taste that's my
1: personal taste that she's my favorite but do i think it was the best one no yeah
0: but it's definitely top five yeah i came into that as well because like personal taste wise paul mccartney (laughs) but he's not not even on my top five here no uh so lady gaga great show i love her energy yeah, you have Lady Gaga well, at five as well, so yeah. we could go to four.
1: Well, and the thing is, um, she—I mean, she didn't have any. There were no other, no other artists with her. It's just her the whole mm-hmm. time. So she doesn't have any rests. Well, She's she going did. hard the whole time, yeah. and her voice quality stays consistently well the entire time. Yeah. All
0: right. So who's your number four?
1: Oh gosh. Okay. I this one. I, I have to say, uh, I had a really hard time with this list because. I don't necessarily think it was the best overall performance, but uh, it's kind of one of the most memorable. Okay. And I chose U2. Okay. Okay. I I mean I, he he's great. He's a great artist and he does a great show.
0: Yeah, U2 is a band. U2. Bono is not yeah, U2. Yeah, Bono.
1: I know but Just put some respect he, for the I older think folks about, okay. listening. They are a great band. They always have a great show in my opinion. I really like U2. Mm-hmm. Um but what makes it memorable is the tribute to 9 and 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what people remember. That's going to be on the top five for that reason. That's why I chose it. Not necessarily because they go above and beyond with like a crazy performance or anything, but it's that tribute to 9 11. That's yeah. why
0: I chose it. Yeah. I, I don't have them on my list, um, but that was a good one. The one he takes the jacket and it yeah, shows the in scene as the American flag. flag. Yeah. Man, yeah. remember whenever people loved America? The
1: world loved America. <laughs> <laughs> looking back on that I'm like oh boy
0: <laughs> now he's you t- urbano probably looks back on that embarrassed now oh <laughs> went, god um, <laughs> uh, my number 4 is michael jackson okay. so the the okay. basically the beginning like n- nothing that we talk about here is prior to michael jackson because they were doing disney tributes to winter you know and ice skating yep. and you know marching band stuff before that the michael jackson one that's the one on vhs that i watched a thousand times <laughs> My first Super Bowl ever. It starts with him up on the jumbotrons, and then that's actually a body double, but it makes it look like.
1: Well, you know, I was watching that, and I I had a moment. It was so dumb. I had a moment. I was like, "How did he get from up there to down there so fast?"
0: That's why they did it. People like you and (laughs) oh, thanks, thanks. And they so they get up there, and then he he comes up out of the stadium or out of the stage, and then he's just there for Mm -hmm. like a minute and 50 seconds of pure anticipation it is a genius michael jackson move absorbing he was at, the applause yeah. just. this was when he was truly like the biggest mega star of mega star of mega stars at this point point. and that just that anticipation the reason is number four for me and not number one is just two slow songs at the end Ugh, we are the world and then heal the world it's like Ugh. and a bunch of kids singing you know i'm just like okay <laughs>
1: That would be your reason for not liking it as much is for that, which is like what to me increases the value of the performance. Alright,
0: So, do you not to spoil, but do you have Michael Jackson on your list? Where you can talk about them later? I do have him. Okay, on my so list. we'll we'll go to number three then.
1: We'll uh, come around back to that one.
0: Okay, so number three for you.
1: Okay, first off, I have to say that I went to a lot of different. Um, I read through a lot of different articles, and the rankings are. Crazy, (laughs) like crazy different all over the place. But this one was number one on quite a few, but it's not number one for me. And that would be Prince. Okay. Prince is number three for me. And again, I, I do. I think his performance was like the most involved, most amazing no, but it's just the aesthetics of watching him play. He played in the rain the entire time. And then, of course, performing Purple Rain mm-hmm. in the rain is just such an iconic moment. Yeah. And so much so that two other halftime shows that I watched and that I rated reference that performance. Mm. So, you know, it's good.
0: I think that's the only moment out of all of the halftime shows that is truly impactful on a on a song's legacy Mm -hmm. like when you think of purple rain you think of prince performing purple rain at the super bowl in the rain
1: yep yep that that would be like the performance that you watch if you're gonna watch purple rain yeah (laughs) google youtube
0: though there are some good live performances he does where he does the whole song which are Also on YouTube. Available. Well,
1: we'll we'll have to try that. (laughs) Available near you. Available
0: near you. If there's a computer nearby. (laughs) Okay. My number three is Bruce Springsteen. He started off with, I want
1: you to step back from the
0: guacamole dip. I want you to put those chicken fingers down and turn your television all the way up. So Bruce, he just, he really knew, like, this is a television show. You're not playing for the SoFi Stadium arena. You're playing for the television set. Playing
1: for the nation.
0: Yeah, and got big man Clarence on there playing sax. He does 10,000 Avenue Freeze Out, Born to Run, um, glory days and then he does of course a new song that's actually what kept it from number one for me he does a new song um it was okay working on a dream but the other thing this show has going for it that you wouldn't calibrate for but i would is this super bowl was one of the best super bowls and it had one of the greatest plays in NFL history oh, right before halftime. It was Kurt <laughs> Warner through an interception of James Harrison, who returned at 100 yards as time expired and scored wow. a touchdown. So the buzz in People the stadium People are already pumped up. There. And then to yeah. watch the show yeah. just
1: adds to the
0: You You, you watch that play. You stuffed in the chin- chicken fingers before <laughs> Bruce told you to put them down. And then you watched Bruce. So that was fun.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, I'll definitely have to go back and watch that one.
0: And then my number two was Prince. So Mm -hmm. I've got Prince at two. Weird st- song selection though, before Purple Rain. Yeah, I think that's why it's not number one for me yeah. because it is, it's one of the actual like great performances. That's he does true. Foo Fighters, <laughs> <Best> <laughs> oh, yeah, you? does I all forgot. Along the that. Watchtower? Was, that
1: was really surprising. Yeah, <laughs> Foo but
0: Fighters. Just, I mean, well. yeah, I mean, Proud Mary is in there <laughs> <laughs> of, all, of all things, but, but also the the rain, they. They didn't wipe the cameras. The lens had the mm. rain. It was they more had the, real. He had the two girls with the stiletto high heels dancing in the rain. He's the closest to making the halftime show art. Yeah. Like, they clearly were instructed, don't wipe down your camera lenses. Yeah, Because we have the technology. away from the Just moment. a cloth. Just a cloth will do it. <laughs> <laughs> they were instructed not to. And it gave like this lens flare to yeah. everything. God, Prince is awesome. I did not expect to love that Super Bowl, and I totally did. But mm. who's your number two?
1: Oh, my number two is Beyoncé. 2013 Beyoncé, it's all her. And of course, bringing back the nostalgia by bringing in Destiny's Child. Oh my gosh, that for me was big because that's a part of my childhood growing up with Destiny's Child. But just how much she works on stage and yet her voice her singing is uncompromised it's just amazing and I read somewhere at the time after the watching the Super Bowl that she trained for a year for that and I mean you could really see that and uh, just before you know our podcast here I was reading an article that was saying that a month previous to that she um did a performance for the presidency. Yeah, the
0: inauguration, Obama's yeah. second inauguration. And
1: people were upset because it was partially recorded. Yep. And so, I mean, she really proves herself at yeah. the Super Bowl. I mean, she is Beyoncé. I mean, she is amazing, rivals no other. I mean, she's just truly amazing.
0: This is my number one. Oh, Beyonce. That's your number, is my one. number one.
1: Oh, it was so close for me.
0: I think the reason it's number one is because this is. The only halftime show, we talked about Michael Jackson being the king of the pop, king of pop, king Mm -hmm. of pop. Mm -hmm. He was 10 years removed from Thriller, though, at that point. Like, he was still, you know, an artist. This is the only one that is truly the prime of an artist's career. Like, this year, this like two year stretch is Beyonce. She, the gravity, like just how good she looks, how good she sounds, like, seriously, like, and the way she sings at the end, the final Mm -hmm. song. What's that one? Halo? Halo. Oh,
1: yeah. When
0: she sings that at the end, like, I almost feel like the lip sync Obama inauguration thing was like a rope-a-dope because <laughs> she's just like, Sh- look at this. Yeah. Like, every article had to say, sorry, Beyonce. Uh, we were wrong. It's, uh, the the end of the show... When she's got all this spectacle, all these fireworks, Mm -hmm. but then all this humanity because she's like touching the people's hands, you know, she's like sitting down and then she sings like that last, like that last like 40 second stretch. That's some of the best live singing that I've ever seen.
1: It's so good. It's
0: super, and she did it while dancing for ten minutes before. Like Tom Petty and Bruce they danced. Bruce may have slipped into the camera guy, but she had been dancing.
1: (laughs) And it was like it. It was very active dancing. It wasn't just a little sway in here and here. It was truly Beyonce performing Mm -hmm. on stage and. Again, yeah. her voice was uncompromised.
0: On a YouTube near you. Okay, who's your number one?
1: <laughs> well, my number one is Michael Jackson. Yep. And again, you know, you look back on you know, even just the past decade, how much technology has advanced and how much better they're able to make halftime shows because of that. Mm-hmm. But this was 1993 and it was still an amazing performance like what he did in the beginning when he pops up on that big screen oh. and then suddenly he's down there on the field yep. popping up onto the stage. It was so amazing. And the thing that you disliked with the thing <laughs> that I really liked is when he does that um we are the world. Oh, what's that song called?
0: Well, he does. We are the world and then heal the world.
1: Yeah. Okay. Two different songs. And <laughs> they put a lot of faith in the audience participation there. Yeah. I mean, I was really surprised. I mean, yeah, door. obviously yeah. people want to be a part of that but how many people were like man i really have to go to the bathroom i've been holding it for the whole first half here we go um you know i just thought that was amazing and then they bring out those banners with the um black hand holding a white hand Mm -hmm. and i just i think it's such a statement especially you know it, it makes me think of what Everything that happened with Colin Kaepernick, the mm-hmm. kneeling, uh, how everybody was in uproar and you shouldn't have that part of football that, you know, that should be separate. Football is football. And yet uh, you go back to 1993, Michael Jackson, he is talking about that. It's just so important and what a platform to, mm-hmm. to use that for. I just think that's so important.
0: Yeah, and it, it would probably be remembered much more fondly had his... uh Career gone a different path Didn't than what it Oh Yeah, yeah. All right, so That's we true. we got only we only have five minutes to go through honorable oh mentions boy. So try okay. to be quick.
1: Oh gosh. Okay. All right,
0: so I just wanted to shout out two artists who completely understood the assignment. Okay. Madonna.
1: Oh my gosh! Hit yeah.
0: All the songs, Vogue, yes. Like a Prayer, Music. Mm-hmm. Get the classics out.
1: That's what you're there for. One
0: random appearance by the sexy and I know it guys. Kind
1: of weird. <laughs> <L-M-F-A-O>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and then Tom Petty. Tom Petty. American Girl, and then your three most favorite songs, and then Get Out of the Way. Oh, like Tom gosh. Petty and Madonna, they knew exactly mm-hmm. what was expected of them for the Super Bowl. Yep. But ultimately, there was no like super moment, except for maybe Madonna's entrance. I, I almost had her. Her and Lady Gaga was really hard. but oh, Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, those two,
1: you know, at first when I'm watching, I, I really liked the Madonna show. Like you said, I mean, that is what you're there for. You're there for to wow. You're there for people to be excited about your music. So don't play anything that nobody knows. I and mean, she doesn't. She plays all the hits. Um, it, but at first I was like, you know, her performance isn't as good because she's not as active. I mean, look at how much Beyonce did on stage. Yeah. She's but the one you right have before to remember, Beyonce. Yep. She is the one right before Beyonce you have to remember she's 53 years old. So yeah. even though she might not have been as active on stage, she was still dancing up there at 53 and holding her own. And her voice still sounds amazing. Yeah. And d- honorable
0: mention for you. Well,
1: um, oh, I just wanted to say also Nicki Minaj was in that halftime show and oh, yeah. I don't like Nicki Minaj, but I thought like her little,
0: yeah, her part was sn- good and there. It yeah. was really
1: good. I liked it. Um, another one I have is uh, Justin Timberlake from 2018. Not, you know, I don't have that the one. Not the I just, one, yeah. um, I just thought it was really fun fun definitely not in my top five maybe not even my top 10 but he was so involved I mean he goes out into the audience he stops his he is in his performance and does a selfie with a a fan it was just it was really fun I, I really liked it he had lots of hits to play on so it was really nice um, another one is Coldplay. The one Coldplay, Bruno Mars, and Beyonce. Beyonce, mm-hmm. of course, is what makes this. Yep. Um, when she does the song formation, it, you the tribute to the Black Panthers, yep. and that's also when Black Lives Matter were getting really.
0: That was the best involved. part. Yeah, like, well, that was.
1: That's why it was so good. <laughs> I did like though. I thought it was a nice touch at the end where they hit on all of the other halftime shows, including Prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah, course. that was cool. Yeah, that I, was cool. I actually.
0: Uh, I had you take you two Green Day as one of my album mentions. Oh, so we already covered them. Paul McCartney. I mean, I got to put Paul McCartney out oh, there. Yeah. He's the, the safe choice after the Justin Timberlake, mm-hmm. Janet Jackson debacle, yeah. which really was uh, the debacle is now the shameful part that we were so ashamed of Janet Jackson. After yeah. that is now the shameful part that we look yeah. back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Justin Timberlake, not really <laughs> stepping up <laughs> at Ooh, all. No. Um, so Paul McCartney though, I mean, Obviously, I'm a huge Beatles fan. The Beatles are like my biggest thing. You are? The fact that he started the show with Drive My Car, I cannot <laughs> express to you how many other songs could have started this show other than Drive My Car. Why,
1: beep, beep, Paul? Beep, yeah. You know what? Because he's a Beatles. That's why he can do whatever exactly. he wants. <laughs>
0: and it kind of makes it memorable. You know, it's kind of cool. And then he closes it with Hey Jude, which mm. has got to be the oldest so Hey Jude was released like when the Super Bowl was starting basically. It was released yeah. like 3 months before Joe Namath beats the Colts in Super Bowl 3. So
1: That is um, really cool. But ultimately
0: his okay. show wasn't wasn't that great and neither was the Rolling Stones though I love the Stones and I love Paul McCartney their shows kind of had some sound troubles especially mm-hmm. the Stones they had like some some mix ups there and they only played three songs mm-hmm. uh, and that, su- that Super Bowl yeah, sucked because uh, it was the one where the Steelers beat us so maybe that's
1: yeah. definitely puts a damper on things <laughs> that
0: covers my honorable mentions who, who else you well
1: i just have one more and it's, it definitely wasn't like an excellent halftime show but the one was aerosmith and sink britney spears oh, yeah. and nelly like what and mary
0: j blige will oh be back. yeah and mary be j back.
1: blige and she's gonna be back oh my gosh i can't believe i didn't put her on here she only got to um, sing like
0: one small part of the walk this way
1: yeah but it was just it was really fun like what mm-hmm. What a selection of artists! I know. I it was, but it was super fun, and they were all collaborating. They were all singing together. Yeah. That, that's what was so fun. Uh, what I didn't like about it is it was just too much, too mm-hmm. many people on stage. It was yeah. really messy. But
0: I like the idea of because we're running out of like names. To I like the idea of pairing two artists that have nothing to do with each other, like NSYNC yeah. and Aerosmith. Yeah. we should do that again. Mm-hmm. Like we should have like something crazy, some crazy pairing. Now oh, I agree. There is one that neither one of us put in our top 5 or honorable mentions that constantly is up in the top 5 on the internet and that's jlo and shakira why oh, is that one up there okay, so
1: often that was also estimated to my second page that is that is on the top of my honorable mentions and i just skirted oh, right by okay, it okay. so okay. i why is that one so good so okay hold on when i watched it we watched it together i was unimpressed i thought wow this really isn't that good but Rewatching it mm-hmm. in comparison to other halftime shows, you truly appreciate how much they are doing on stage. Going back to, you know, Beyonce, how how active she was on stage. They are as well. And their voices are, you know, they're still really great quality they're not i mean you can tell they prepared for these performances mm-hmm. um so that is impressive to me and now i can see why it's in you know t- the top 10 for many people's lists
0: all right and there' no mention of the black-eyed peas oh, No, that was the worst that yeah. was by far the worst God, that was the um worst. pre pre michael jackson the ones before michael jackson were all the worst.
1: <laughs> you know, one that I ke- was very surprised that I was seeing on many lists of top ten, top fifteen. oh the Katy Perry one. Her, yeah, I didn't like her, it. her voice, like, isn't that great? It's just weird performance. Yeah. The the Sharks. I don't know. The, the one is, good thing about yeah. it, Missy Elliott.
0: Yeah, exactly. The thing that's memorable about that one is Missy Mm Elliott come in of nowhere. She hadn't been around for like four or five years.
1: Talk about pairing.
0: Yeah, and so that was cool. And then the Left Shark thing became an internet (laughs) meme. So if you're talking memorable Super Bowl halftime shows, Katy Perry's actually up there. Yeah. But... As far Quality, as actual performance, though, yeah, I... and we we really are talking about performances yeah. um, between us. All right. Well, thank you, Kathleen. I appreciate your time. Yeah, I'm going to go course. back to reviewing the football aspect. Yeah. Third quarter starts now. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to the game. When the Bengals have the ball, when the Rams have the ball, and then we'll look at some legacy watch. That's the that's the rest of this episode. Let's start with the Bengals. They're on the field. Bengals offense versus Rams defense. Now I'm not going to pretend that I know all the matchups and all the X's and O's and the schemes and stuff like that. I, I don't, and I look forward to listening to super smart people talk about that uh, as the week goes on. But I just have three things that I think are interesting to watch uh, in both scenarios, both uh, uh, offense and defensive matchups. Uh, Number one, when the Bengals have the ball, of course, is Joe Burrow and his protection you know it's uh we got the young gun the young quarterback in there and is and he's facing Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd and this these these big names on the Rams defensive line um though I did just want to say quick 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 side note is that Joe Burrow is not that young I know it's his second year but if he wins the Super Bowl He will be older than Roethlisberger was when he won the Super Bowl, older than Mahomes was when Mahomes won the Super Bowl, older than Brady was when Brady won his first Super Bowl. So we're not talking about some wonder kid. Um, Just wanted to throw that out there. Anyway, (laughs) Joe Burrow's protection. The Bengals gave up the most sacks uh, in the regular season, and then they got to the playoffs, and in their middle game, they gave up nine sacks. To the Titans uh, in the divisional round, which was a big headline, bro- broke a bunch of records, um, um, a lot of records about winning while giving up nine sacks, <laughs> for one thing. Um, and I've seen a lot of, you know, boy, if Titans, you know, if the Titans could do this, if, if Jeffrey Simmons could disrupt like that, imagine what Aaron Donald could do to these Bengals. Like, well, first of all, put some respect on the Simmons name because Jeffrey Simmons is legit. He's a second-team All-Pro in his third season in the NFL. This is no slouch. This is not some guy off the street, and now it's Aaron Donald. Simmons is a great player. Um, But sacks aren't everything, though. You know, the Bengals give up a lot of sacks, and they've talked about it. They've been honest about it that they don't necessarily care. Like, um, you know, Burrow prefers to have more options to throw the ball to than then he would prefer to have more protection. You know, he wants the three receivers. He wants the outlet options. He wants to get the ball out quick. That, maybe that means more sacks. Maybe that means more quick throwaways, um, but that's okay to them. Um, it kind of reminds me of baseball the three true outcomes. You know, if it's third and long, the, the true outcomes are getting the first down, not getting the first down, or turning it over. Like it doesn't matter if it's a sack or an incompletion you know it both of them are, are you mean you mean you have to punt uh except for uh, the health of your quarterback <laughs> and the potential for turnover so i am nervous for cincinnati in this game i have to admit i just burrow he seems to go down when needed you know it doesn't seem like he's carson wentz trying to fight through every sack and 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 making things worse but you know, he had a few moments in Tennessee where he just did not go down and took bad sacks. And then he had a few good moments in in Kansas City where he didn't go down and ended up getting back breaking third downs that that helped them get to the Super Bowl in the first place. So I worry about the, you know, the positive reinforcement that Burrow may may try to fight through Aaron Donald or may try to fight through Von Miller, and that ain't gonna go well. You gotta take the sack safely if you're gonna do the three true outcome thing. Um, what can the Bengals do to mitigate this matchup? problem i don't know smarter people than me are gonna have to talk about that or or we will all watch it on sunday but this is the number one thing to be watching uh the Bengals' offensive line and what they can possibly do to stop aaron donald and von miller especially since the Bengals don't usually help their offensive line at burrow's request it'll be interesting number two jamar chase versus jalen ramsey these are two of the best athletes on the outside, battling it out. It reminds me of like prime LeBron versus, you know, Kawhi when he was a defensive superstar, you know, it's like, this is, this is, uh, this is the best against the best. Um, But like LeBron, there is one way you can uh, get a, you can one way you can beat Kawhi. The answer is very simple. Have Kawhi guard someone else. (laughs) So that's probably what they'll try to do. Get Jamar chase away from Jalen Ramsey uh, you know, I've seen some headlines like the the Bengals don't expect Ramsey to shadow Chase or whatever. It's like, okay, that's coming from Tyler Boyd, first of all, who's another receiver for the Bengals. You don't trust him because if you read what Boyd is saying, Boyd is basically saying that he's just as good as Jamar Chase. So Jalen Ramsey, no matter where he is, doesn't matter. He's going to be on he's going to be on elite receiver, whether it's me, Chase, or Higgins. That's basically what Tyler Boyd is saying there. Uh, no, that's not true. Um, that's, that's classic wide receiver. So the decision on what the Rams do, will they have Ramsey follow Chase? Like Tyler Boyd said, they've had him do everything. He's played at left. He's played at right. He's played in the slot. He's traveled with the guy. Ramsey has done everything. So what is he going to do in this game will be very interesting. Uh, Number three, Bengals play calling Joe Mixon. Are they going to run it up the middle for two yards every first and 10 like they did against the Chiefs? Um, Because they have remained predictable. They've remained conservative. Despite Zach Taylor saying that he, quote, lost sleep over his conservative handoffs uh, to lose the game in San Francisco in week 14, they did it in the Kansas City game. Joe Burrow bailed him out. But in the second half, Of the AFC title game, Cincinnati called 10 run plays on first and 10, 10 out of 12, and eight of them were for two yards or less. So they just kept thumping up the middle and lighting a first down on fire over and over and over again. They threw it twice, 16 yards and 18 yard gains. Frustrating for me because Joe Mixon, he's not a three yards and a cloud of dust guy. He's, he's one of the best players. He's great in space, great in the outside, great in the receiving game. I just worry that Zach Taylor is remembering too much of week 11 and week 12. When Joe Mixon, he had 30 carries and 28 carries in those two games when they blew out the Raiders and Steelers. I mean, that is a coach's dream after all. But you don't want to do that in the Super Bowl. And the Rams have been shutting down. The run game they shut down Arizona they shut down Tampa Bay and even San Francisco they they shut down the run game so we will see will the Bengals continue to light first rounds on fire all right let's flip over to the other side of the ball when the Rams have the ball Bengals are on defense obviously it starts with Matt Stafford starts with protecting the ball um He's had an up and down playoffs. You know, in the wild card round, he he sat back riding a dominant defense as the as the defense destroyed Kyler Murray in Arizona. Then in Tampa Bay, Stafford, he got him out to a big lead. He went into hibernation, and then when they asked him to win the game, he won the game. Saved the Rams, saved their season, saved them from being the butt of twenty seven to three jokes of Tom Brady coming back on them. Stafford made the big plays to Cooper Cup. And it was crazy. And then in the NFC title game, he was kind of everything. You know, he had a dropped interception, which is very famous. He also had a dropped touchdown, which should have absolutely been a touchdown on third down. And uh, Skoranek or whatever dropped it. And then Cooper Cup dropped one as well that looked like it was going to be a touchdown, too, with, a, with the yards after catch. Um, probably why he dropped it, because he had so much space to go. So Stafford, you know, he, he's kind of been all over the place. Um, he can safely be considered a positive on the on the playoff run itself for the Rams, but we all know the Super Bowl is going to make Matt Stafford's legacy. Um, and he's throwing into a secondary that is doing well. The Cincinnati secondary is uh, making a bunch of plays, and we talked about them all being free agents um, coming over. They're all hired guns. It's a big difference from Cincinnati's usual mo of not spending money. But they got Jesse Bates, Von Bell at safety, Chidobe Awuzie. Mike Hilton, Eli Apple at corner, all playing well. Somebody, one of these guys is going to have a Matt Stafford ball in their hands. Will they corral it? Like they corralled the, the second or third uh, interceptions that Mahomes tried to throw. <laughs> so that is going to be a big part of the game. Uh, the pass rush as well is going to have something to do with it. The Rams tackles, Andrew Whitworth and Havenstein have been there the whole time. They've been there with the whole Sean McVay run, has had these two tackles. uh, And are are they going to bring it home? You know, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. They're going against a good pass rush. Bengals got Trey Hendrickson. He's a star. He's a star on the edge. Um, Brought over from New Orleans. A lot of people thought, including me, that he was a product of the New Orleans defense, just getting a bunch of sacks. But he's put that to bed. He has he's been the driving force behind the Bengals defensive success and Sam Hubbard on the other side. uh, He's that other solid guy that you need. You know, you can't have just one good edge rusher. Um, You know, you can have a star, make another guy play well, but you can't just have one good one. Uh, So they've, they've both done well, Matt Stafford, when he's under pressure, um, it, it can be, it can be difficult. You know, we've seen a lot of crazy, weird decisions from Stafford and you can't really, I didn't I didn't talk about this with Joe Burrow, but it's it's both of these quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford. If you want to bring the pressure, you got to do it with the edge rushers. Um because they're both really good against the blitz, both Stafford and Burrow. So that these matchups, these tackle on edge rusher matchups are going to be super important as they always are <laughs> in all football games. <laughs> You're welcome. Um will the Rams step off the gas? You know, like the Bengals lighting their first downs on fire with their conservative runs, the Rams, when they've gotten the lead, they have consistently gone really, really cold. Um, it's something that Stafford was known for in Detroit, was going hot and cold. So, you, is it because Stafford might throw the pick to get the team back in the game? Or is it because, uh, you know, and they're too afraid to do that? Or is it just a, a philosoph- philosophical mistake? Um, Stafford was brought here. Next level. McVeigh's offense, the illusion of complexity, all these different motions and formations and stuff with the same players and the same plays. That gets figured out as the year goes on. But you can't figure out Matt Stafford. You know, he can make things happen when plays break down, he can take advantage of your blitz, he can make quick decisions like Jared Goff couldn't. So will McVeigh let Stafford cook? when they're up or if they're up. That'll be interesting to watch. Um, Okay, let's go to legacies on the line. We got to get there. I'm going to shave the quarterbacks right off the top. Joe Burrow, of course, every quarterback gets the most credit or the most blame for every win or loss, especially the Super Bowl. So the legacies are certainly uh, right there in bright shining lights for Joe Burrow and for Burrow specifically to, to win the Super Bowl in such proximity of a national title. You know, when LSU beat Clemson in, in what January 2020, that would be that would put him as a superstar face of a league. It would be memorable. He'd be he'd be right up there with Mahomes, um, you know, as in the marketing, I guarantee it. Um, and the two titles tied together would would be along with the fact that it's for the Bengals, which is a franchise that had no success before that. Joe Burrow would be cemented into history with a win. He's already, of course, in history, but that would cement him. Matt Stafford, same thing. You can already see the legacy that's on the wall. Languishing in Detroit for 12 years, a win. Especially a good game from Stafford. Then all of his 12 years in Detroit are looked at differently. His, his relationship with his longtime uh, division rival Aaron Rodgers is looked at differently. He'd be one for one in the Super Bowl just like Aaron Rodgers. So we know what's happening for Burrow. We know what's happening for Stafford. Von Miller brought over from the Broncos to the Rams midseason. He's already got a Super Bowl run, a Super Bowl MVP, and his big plays in the playoffs this year, potentially another big Super Bowl game. Von Miller's got a chance to take a legacy step up amongst the all-time linebackers. You know, legacy's not fair. I'm not saying it's fair. Derek Thomas is one of the great linebackers of all time. The Chiefs didn't get to the Super Bowl through no fault of his own, yet Von Miller gets credit for having a Super Bowl MVP over Derek Thomas. It's not fair. That's legacy, though, okay? I don't know what to tell you. Performing in the biggest games is a huge deal. When we look back, I don't think there's anything, even in this Super Bowl, he could win another Super Bowl MVP. I don't think there's anything Miller can do to dislodge Lawrence Taylor from top linebacker all-time. I don't think Miller has has anything to do with that. But what he does have in this game, a second big Super Bowl, a second Super Bowl ring as one of the most important players. He has the opportunity to move out of this tier of all time linebackers Derek Brooks, Derek Thomas, Terrell Suggs, you know, Derek Brooks, Tampa Bay, Suggs, Baltimore, Thomas, Kansas City. Vaughn Miller could could rise above them a little bit in that tier. With another big one, a Super Bowl MVP specifically, could really move Von Miller up. It would be interesting, very interesting. Cooper Cup. Let's talk about Cooper Cup. I don't think we need, we can't put Cup up there with with all time receivers yet, but it's this season, this particular season, has a chance to be one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time, stringing together both the regular and playoffs. Cause he already had the monster statistical regular season, even with the 17th game, he's number two overall receptions, number two overall yards, 16 touchdowns, but none of the seasons that are up there with cups, you know, huge regular season numbers. None of those seasons had any playoff success, you know, like Calvin Johnson, 2012, Julio Jones, 2015, Isaac Bruce, 95. They didn't even make the playoffs. 2019 Michael Thomas, 2014 Antonio Brown, 2002 Marvin Harrison, they they didn't win a playoff game. They were one and done in the playoffs. So these huge seasons that Cooper Cup's up there with no playoff success, even Jerry Rice, even Jerry Rice, his biggest statistical regular seasons, 87, 95. They were both years in which the 49ers didn't win a playoff game. Randy Moss, 2007. He's probably the closest to what Cup's doing. Uh, he's he set the record for touchdowns with the, his first year with the Patriots, but he didn't have very much production in um, in the playoffs. He only had 94 yards and a touchdown, um, and that and that is uh, you know not enough. Though, just a Randy Moss side note: if the helmet catch doesn't exist, Eli Manning to David Tyree helmet catch then Randy Moss is the one who caught that go-ahead touchdown in the Super Bowl. This is why legacy isn't fair. (laughs) You don't remember that. Like Von Miller could have a big sack and the Bengals could win this game, and that doesn't help Von Miller's legacy. They had to win the game, even though the sack, the big sack happened. Same play happened always, but the result later dictates how it affects your legacy. It's not fair. It's not fair. But look at how many people remember Randy Moss's touchdown to go ahead against the Giants and almost go 19-0. Not very much. So Cooper Cup has a chance to do something that nobody has done. Now, is he there already? Not quite. Because there is 2008, Larry Fitzgerald, and 1988, Jerry Rice. Those two seasons, they were Fitzgerald and Rice. They don't have the monster numbers like Cooper Cup, 2021 Cooper Cup but they do have better playoff stats and impact. They also weren't no, were no, weren't no slouches in the regular season. Rice, 88 Rice, 08 Fitzgerald are both first-team All-Pro receivers uh, in those regular seasons. So Cup, maybe with an MVP performance, could go above 08 Fitzgerald and 88 Rice. And all of the historic monster seasons and legitimately lay claim to the greatest wide receiver season regular season plus playoffs of all time that's on the line (laughs) jamar chase has a has a baby version of that one for rookies uh you know he jamar chase maybe already has the best rookie wide receiver season of all time um he could remove all doubt with a big super bowl though because the 98 Moss, they lost that NFC title game. 2014, Odell Beckham Jr., they didn't make the playoffs. 2020, Justin Jefferson didn't make the playoffs. So those are the three competitors for best rookie wide receiver season of all time. Jamar Chase is potentially already above them, to be honest. But a big Super Bowl would do it. And the final legacy that is really online, And the real legacy for this Super Bowl is Aaron Donald. Now, non quarterbacks don't always have much of a legacy on the line, but Donald truly, he truly does. Um, I did my episode about whose legacies were on the line for the rest of the season. Uh, And like, I think it was week seven. It's like October and Aaron Donald was number one. That's because greatest defender of all time is on the table. It's on the table, but he needs a ring. He needs a ring. He's got the seven first-team All-Pro selections. That's right up there. That's, that's with Ray Lewis. He's one behind Taylor, Lawrence Taylor, Bruce Smith, Reggie White. Aaron Donald's the darling of our era. The players keep voting him top three player in the NFL. But the Super Bowl, you need, you need something. You can't honestly put Aaron Donald ahead of Mean Joe Green, ahead of Ronnie, White, Ronnie Lott, ahead of Ray Lewis ahead of Reggie White, ahead of Lawrence Taylor, if he doesn't have even a ring. And I kind of think this Super Bowl could count as more than one Super Bowl for Aaron Donald because he would then be a champion. And that would reframe the way we look back at the 2018 Super Bowl in which Aaron Donald and Dominick Sue, they dominated. Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, they held the Patriots to 13 points. While their offense did nothing. So we would look at that Super Bowl and we look at this Super Bowl win and Donald would get partial credit for more than one Super Bowl ring. So going to be interesting, going to be interesting, and at least, and this may be the last year of his prime too, of Aaron Donald's prime. So not like a loss is going to knock him out of the convo, but like Cooper Cup, like Von Miller, like Jamar Chase, like the quarterbacks. One of these players is going to take a huge step up in very powerful legacy talk, and we will forget that it was ever even in question. That's what happens. So that's why I'm going to love watching it in the moment happen, the chaos that will turn to stone. All right, thank you for tuning in. Hour-long episode. Thank you to Kathleen for... Uh, Talking the halftime shows with me. We'll be back Super Bowl night for episode 56, reviewing Super Bowl 56. And yes, I timed that up on purpose. Thank you. Good night.